Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey y'all, what's up family? It's your girl Genesis Amaris Kemp back at it again and in the hot seat with me today is Jessica Gill and let me tell you a little bit more about Jessica because she is going to bring some fiery topics and this is quick. So she lives in H-Town also known as Clutch City or for those of you who aren't aware it's Houston, Texas. For almost seven years now she is newly married she is a dog mom to a 80 pound to to two 80-pound rescue boys homeowner. She has a full-time job in the oil and gas industry and also a plethora of side hustles. So she's all about making that cha-ching, passionate about health and fitness, travel and personal finance. And she has her own podcast called Money Your Way, which your girl will be featured on soon. But without further ado, please welcome the woman behind it all, Jessica Gill. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I feel like I need a walkout song to that too. <laughs> what song are you walking out to? <laughs> oh man, um, I that put me on the spot. I'll have to think about it and get back to you at the end of the episode. <laughs> Amazing. And here on my show, I like to be natural, have these organic conversations, and that's what it is because it's coffee chat style. So, Jessica, um, one thing that I like to do is get my audience connected with you in a fun and personal way. So, we could do that via two options we could do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Let's go rapid fire 10 questions. Amazing. We're playing rapid fire with Jessica and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question numero uno. What is your favorite color? Blue. Ooh, mine too. Two, dream car, dream home, or if you're like me and a bit selfish, both. <laughs> Definitely dream home. I am the person that'll drive a car till it breaks. So not passionate about the dream car part at all. Question three, what is your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? I would say a craft beer, (laughs) (laughs) but really, um, I do enjoy a good coffee, more of like an oat milk latte once or twice a week. Ooh, question four, favorite food? I would say chocolate. Is that its own category? If not, tacos. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I had some delicious ones today. Question five. If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be and why? Oh, okay. So this is just the first thing that's popping into my head. I would recreate the moment of me skydiving. I was absolutely terrified. I hated it, but because I was so scared, I don't remember any of it. And it was like a one and done. I'll never do it again. I just wish I had a memory of it. So I would pay attention a little bit more. (laughs) If you want to semi-recreate it, you could try iFly if you've never been there. It's like indoor skydiving. I haven't tried that yet. Question six. If you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be? Oh, can I bring a guest? Yeah. I'll allow you okay. to do So I would, I would pick my grandfather. He passed away when I was much younger as a kid, but I would love for him to meet my current husband. Aw, question seven. What is the one thing that was magical about your big day? 
So I would say the moment that was magical was we did a game. You're talking about my wedding, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we did a shoe game where it was like the DJ would ask a question and we would like raise one person or the other. And we've been together for so long that without knowing it, we like failed miserably. And that was just like so magical because it was so authentic. We talked about it later. It was questions like, who's the better driver? And I would put myself and he would put himself. And we just kept laughing because the whole point is like, how well do you know each other? And we kept getting every question wrong. And so that was just magical because it was so authentic. It was so in the moment and it it made everyone laugh. Amazing. Eight. If you could have any celebrity or powerful influencer on your show, who would it be? Ooh, you know, I would have money with Kate. I have just been following her on Instagram for a while. I would call her an influencer in the um, area. I just love her vibe and think she would bring a lot of energy to my podcast. Okay. So that brings me to this challenge and, you know, I like to challenge some of my guests. So I challenge you to shoot your shot with Money with Kate and by the end of next week, slide in her DM and say, hey, I've been following you. I think your work is amazing. And I would love to know if you want to come into my ecosystem and be a guest on my podcast because- Challenge accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Question nine. Okay, so you just won the lottery and- you want all your money. However, there is a kicker. You must donate to three charities of your choice before the remainder of the proceeds are released. What charities are you contributing to? Oh, okay. I wish I could pull up. Um, I would say the, I think it's called Polaris Project, um, Canine Angels, which is a dog rescue. And I, if there is a GoFundMe for the OOV, Uvalde. I don't know if I said that right. Oh, yeah, Uvalde. The, yeah, the Uvalde family. That would be my third choice. Oh, amazing. And question 10. It is our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you choose to pass, our rules are reversed for this question and you get to ask me something. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I'll play. Okie dokie. Last question. Have you ever been, this is going to be a crazy one. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like, oh my gosh, this person is just getting on my nerves. I could punch their lights out. Have I ever? I think everyone has. Am I thinking of one specifically right now? No. Amazing. I just want to see how honest people are going to be. Cause I think we've all been there where oh, you yeah. just wanted to like deck somebody and you're like, you know what? it just makes you feel good. But then, you know, on the other side, it's like, uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. So I I say, you know, sometimes it's my alter ego or that little devilish that's trying to creep in. Yeah. And a lot of times too, I think that comes up like on behalf of other people, like wanting to defend your best friend or a family member as well. 
Amazing. So thank you for playing rapid fire, Jessica. So we're going to dive into our segment, which is your beat and your jam. So I know a lot of people come to you for help regarding finances. And then you also had, you know, some great influence in your life from your parents and your upbringing regarding on, you know, some of the life lessons that you learned from them and some of the things that they taught you that made it easier for you to hashtag adult. So what made you so passionate about finances? And I guess in order for us to really know that, we need to understand your background a little bit. So how big were those life lessons that your parents instilled in you? Okay, perfect. There's a lot to unpack there. So I'll try not to spend too much time on it. And you can kind of pick and choose from the story where you want to go deeper. My parents kind of always made money really approachable in the household. It started from me just getting involved in crafting things when I was really young and showing up at little art fairs with like these 25 cent greeting cards. And that was a little bit of an entrepreneurial experience and the idea of putting in work and getting money back. And then as I got older, that translated into babysitting and working at my dentist office on the front desk. And I just always started to have an appreciation for what things cost and what it takes to bring in the money and kind of have that connection. Along with that was something that my parents also did where they gave my brother and myself, who my brother's younger than me, a monthly allowance. It was essentially amount of money that we got fixed every month. It changed as we got older and it was to help us contribute to some of the things that were going to be our responsibilities. They basically said, generally speaking, school, sports, and church, we will cover as well as any needed clothes. Anything outside of that was on our responsibility as kids and then teenagers to budget for and decide, does that align with our spend values? So I was definitely more of the spender than my brother. Um, He just saved. He didn't feel like spending on anything. But for me, a lot of those things looked like going out on dates. I always went Dutch. And so I wanted to spend half of that money on, you know, the, the date or the movie or whatever it was. Um, it was clothes. I would have clothes that my parents would help me pay for that was need. Say I outgrew like a winter jacket and growing up in Virginia, that's definitely a necessity. But then there would be situations of like, oh, I want that fashion item that everyone's wearing. So that would be on me to budget for. Um, all, All of that then was like the childhood portion. I also had a little bit more experience in entrepreneurship there where I started tutoring math. I was very strong in math and science and had a love for it. Like I didn't mind talking formulas and studying and homework with younger students. So I started tutoring math after school in high school, did that for a few years and quote unquote, passed the business on to my brother, who was just equally as strong in the same subjects. So we did that as well as a uh, side business. And then really where it all kind of came together with answering your question on how did I realize I was passionate about it? This was normal life for me at that stage, talking money at home, doing the math on how much do I need to save for this? Is this important for me? Until I was like young twenties, graduating college, talking to friends about jobs that they're accepting, places that they're moving, looking at living expenses. And the idea of talking money around that really came with super close friends. A few years later, 
when I started connecting with people through a network marketing company, I learned that a lot of them are involved in that business because it gives them the potential to earn extra income. And that income for them was really the security blanket of being able to pay for groceries without worrying that the card was going to get declined and have extra money to actually give their kids a present for Christmas. And it was like, okay, I hadn't been exposed to that. Not that my parents were rich or anything, but they were always very money conscious and everything was planned for and strategized around. And so I just hadn't really been in an environment where people were open about some of those struggles. So I started to realize I had so many blessings that I didn't actually understand in the younger days that I'm becoming aware of now in my young and mid twenties. I realized that people in that age then started to feel just from talking to them, very restricted. Like, I don't know how to get a better grasp of my finances or what to do next. I'm overwhelmed with the terminology. And to me, it was fun and comfortable. So building this environment where I could talk with friends and take them through different steps, not that I'm an expert, but just kind of enabling them to learn at their own pace and be comfortable with the uncomfortable of the topic, since it was so taboo for them, really made me um, kind of feel so fulfilled to know that they were kind of taking that lesson and growing in their own journey of adulting to getting closer to some of their goals. I love that. And I can resonate with some of the sentiments that your parents instilled in you because I'm first generation American. So my dad was South American from Curacao. So off the tip of Venezuela and my mom is West Indian. So she's very conservative and she's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And every time I wanted something, my mom would say no. And my dad would say, yeah, yes, because my mom was more the conservative one. And she's like, that's not really a need. It's more of a want. But then my dad believed like, if she wants something, she should be able to have it because that's kind of how he grew up. Like he grew up with not having you know, a need or a want for certain things. And sometimes he said, whenever they were growing up back in, uh, back home, like he would be the only kid with shoes on his feet. And they were asking where would he get this? But my grandfather was in oil and gas. And then, you know, his, my dad's grandfather was, um, he had guest houses and stores and whatnot. So then my dad told me, as long as you do your due diligence and you pay your tithes and your offerings to church, God is always going to reward you because you were able to be disciplined with what he has blessed you with. And then my mom was like, save, 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 save. So with on her side of the family, anyone knew that if they needed money, they could go to my mom because she was always a saver. And so with me, when it came time to work, I saw all my friends working at the these jobs like fast food the movies I'm like not that I was saying I was better than that but I just didn't want to do that because I know customers are not always right and I'm not going to take crap from anybody so I found a loophole and it was via a co-op program in high school so my first job was real estate my second job was the cancer center and then after that that's where I landed in oil and gas which I spent uh, 12 years in oil and gas so been working for over 15 years in corporate 
And it really taught me to be disciplined because when you work with people who are older than you, they tell you about 401ks. They tell you about the benefits of life insurance. They tell you about the benefits of pension. I was lucky to have a pension when I worked for this particular oil and gas company. And most people that are millennials or in my age group, they don't have that much discipline or that um, amount of acumen whenever it comes to financial. And then whenever I went to college, I first went to UT and I was like, I don't want to pay this much money. And then my mom just didn't like it because it was a party school too. But I wanted to go there because all my friends were going there. So I came back home, went to community college, best decision, because all the basics that you take are the same, no matter if you're going that four-year university route or you're going to a community college. Then when I look at the difference between what I had to pay in student loans versus what some of my other friends had to pay, like six figures or more. I was like, this is completely ludicrous because some of them aren't even working in their degree field. So it's like, sometimes you have to discipline yourself with money and then you really have to know what your wants versus needs are. How are you investing? What vehicles are you operating in when it comes to financially finances? And don't put all your eggs in one basket because like for a prime example, how many people thought that they were gonna be tapped on to be laid off, furloughed, or their pay was going to be cut from the pandemic, or their industry was going to go obsolete, because people started transitioning from a brick and mortar to online, and that really affected them. How many people plan for that? No, but if you start having these conversations about money, and what is it that I have? Where is it that I need to go? Do I need to have a financial advisor, a financial planner, or do I need to talk to someone that I trust that has credibility to kind of give me some steps whenever it comes to having an honest conversation and relationship with money? Yes. Yes. Amen to all of that. (laughs) And it could be scary. And I, I, Like, I really like how your parents just really did that with you because they're interjecting that at such a young age. And I think more people should have conversations with their children on financial literacy, whether they put their child's name on a credit card so they're building credit. So when they're 18, they have that great credit score, whether they're requiring their child to get a job and then they say, okay, tell me how much you made on your paycheck. This is how much we're going to put towards savings. This is how much you're going to put towards your charity. And then this is the amount that you have to live off of. Yeah. And it's all about keeping it simple at the beginning too. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the, the other tools and resources that you do to help yourself in the um, financial space, Jessica? So I think kind of the biggest takeaway, and I don't want to make any of this like advice, it's just things that have been incremental for me throughout my finance journey, is giving yourself permission to let it change. So there was a point um, where I was saving for my house. I'm currently a homeowner and been in my house for five years, but when that process was going down that I was saving for it, our finances looked very different at the time. We had a certain focus. We had a certain goal. We had timeline that we wanted all of that to happen. And I was tracking my spending religiously. I had a budget that I was following for different categories that has since translated to now where I would actually open up and say, I don't have a budget. Um, But that also comes with the fact that 
the way that I spend is very disciplined and consistent with or without a budget. Um, but we do track our finances. So every month, my husband and I sit down, we go through our spreadsheet, we input all of our income for the month, we input all of our expenses, we keep it really simple. So in the expense category, instead of looking at it by traditional style, like groceries, restaurants, travel, we just go by credit card. And we know like this credit card is supposed to be for one of my side businesses. So I can tell that that spending has either stayed consistent or gone up. And I should know immediately by looking at it, what the difference was. Was it because I hosted a retreat or I invested in a training, something like that? If I can't explain it, then that kind of leads to further digging, looking at the statement, making sure that I'm not starting to build expenses that I'm not actually using and valuing. And so that shows up a lot in our personal life where we might look at our numbers on a certain credit card that are our typical living expenses. So everything from groceries to travel and some months it's higher. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, we bought a new washer and dryer. Of course, that was a $1,500 expense. Like that's what offset it from the month before. When you take that out, it looks even keel. We can keep doing what we're doing. But then there's times where we start to check ourselves and we're like, we've been eating out a lot. I can tell both in my energy because um, just certain foods make you feel better, but then also I can see it financially. So no big deal. We're just going to tweak that for next month. And it's become a really relaxed way for us to handle things. And right now it's working, but in a couple of years, like I know you're expecting um, in a couple of years, if we're in that position where we're growing our family, numbers might look different. We might need to be planning for additional expenses and having to prepare around that, which may mean different tracking. So my biggest thing around all of it is kind of circling back to just knowing that what you're doing right now isn't a forever thing and staying flexible with that. Super cool. And I like the way that you're doing with the credit cards because I've never thought about it, thought about it that way because we, we do it the opposite, like food, um, travel and all the other stuff. My husband, he pretty much does that because he's really good with managing money and I'm good in other areas. So like we kind of become the yin and yang. But when it comes to like a discussion, we do have that discussion just to make sure that we are communicating effectively and see eye to eye there because finances can be, you know, the the make or break point in a relationship. And it's so important for you to be honest with yourself, but honest with your mate, because it is a union and it's a partnership that you're doing together, not a silo project. So um, one of the things that we did is whenever we got married, I, I'm kind of laughing because um, it was so hard to tell my husband, oh, by the way, you're marrying me with five figures of, of debt because that's how much I had in student loans. But my husband has been such a godsend and he paid off all my student loans. He paid off my car. And so we, we tracked that down. And then whatever was left from paying that off, we did the snowball or the avalanche method where we took that extra money that we had and we put it towards other debt that we had because our goal is financial freedom. Like we don't want to be slaving 
to living a comfortable life. We want to live a comfortable life without worrying about any extra baggage or bondage that's keeping, um, keeping us tied or constrained. So the biggest thing now is like, of course, like being homeowners, there's different things that come involved there. So if I want to do the floors, that's something that we need to um, track because I was like, your home is going to be your home for, for a certain period of time. And if you make upgrades, you'll get that money back if you choose to rent your house out, Airbnb it, if you choose to sell it or whatnot. So that's um, something to keep in mind. But it was just so great to just have that and just be, learn about that snowball and avalanche method because they tell you you should start chipping away at the items that have the highest interest. And once you're done with that, then you move that money that you would have paid for that item into the next um, one with the highest interest. And then you keep on going. And before you know it, that's how you're knocking off some of that debt. Because think about it, whenever, you know, whenever we get ready to go to college and we graduate from high school, what starts coming in the, in the mail, Jessica? Do you remember? <laughs> Uh, well, I didn't have student loans. I was really blessed with my parents, but I think regardless of that, they don't care. And I got a lot of debt consolidation, uh, letters. So I definitely saw a lot of that with debt consolidation for debt that I didn't have. <laughs> so those come in the mail, of course, and then credit cards, like, Oh yeah, all, that's yes. consistent. All these credit cards that they want the young people to jump on. But if that person doesn't know how to effectively use a credit card. Like they say, when you get a credit card, you should never use the maximum amount on that credit card and you should only use it for emergencies. Or if you do use the credit card, then at the end of the month, you should be able to pay off what you have spent. Definitely. So I have a lot to say about all of that. Okay. I will clarify for your listeners that the snowball and avalanche are actually two different methods. Yeah, they um, are. The, yeah. So the avalanche is what you described, focusing on the highest interest debt first. Um, and that being the target and paying the minimums on everything else. And like you said, when that's completed, going to the next debt that has the next highest interest. The snowball method is um, focusing on the lowest in or loaded lowest total debt amount. So if you lay out all of your different debts, then you go for the one that's the smallest loan and you pay that on off the most for the month, minimums and everything else, and you build your way up from the smallest amount. Really what it kind of comes down to is just what you value the most avalanche per the ma per the math is definitely um the like fastest or like biggest impact because you're reducing some of your expenses on the interest but the snowball method works really well for people who have an emotional connection and need to get that win early on if you're paying off a $500 card versus $30,000 in student loans, you can feel like you're making that progress and that can be enough to keep you going forward. So at the end of the day, from the readings I've done, and this is not my opinion, this is just um, things you can find on Google, is that it doesn't really matter. Pick one or the other and just start going for it. Um, the math at the end of the day is not so significant that it matters. What happens is that you paid off your debt and that is such a win to celebrate. So totally just wanted to put that out there. As far as credit cards go, yes, that is something that my parents instilled in me very early on. Credit card debt was something that I didn't really realize was a, a thing um, until I was a young adult myself because I had never seen it and 
probably was never exposed to it as a kid because people don't talk about that when you're that young. So my parents have always taught me whatever you put on a credit card, you're able to pay in full and on time. Uh, with credit cards, there's a lot of talk around travel hacking and using credit cards to build points that help you redeem towards free flights and hotels. I'm personally a huge fan of that, but all of it comes with the big asterisks to it saying, just like you were mentioning earlier, like if your spending habits are not aligned for the way that a credit card um, should be used in a responsible manner and that having the temptation to spend is going to put you in debt, it's not worth it. So that's just um, a little bit there. Super, super cool there. Yes. And thank you for um, breaking down the difference between snowball and avalanche because I knew I kind of ran them together. So thank you there for keeping me in alignment. And Jessica, before we jump into the call to action, is there anything else you want to say about life lessons or the financial aspect of the conversation? You know, I think the biggest thing I would say is just encouraging people to continue to learn. I mean, so much of the development for myself personally, my relationships, my career, everything has come from a drive to build in that personal growth category. So whether it be books like Atomic Habit or um, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People or just anything else that is building your knowledge base. It gives you this ability to build confidence, build knowledge, and make choices that are ultimately going to affect other parts of your future. So that's kind of my biggest take is never stop learning. It doesn't need to learning doesn't need to be going back to school and getting another degree. There's so many different aspects of it. So that's a huge thing that I would want to just encourage everyone to do. Amazing. And what is your call to action for the audience? Do you have a challenge for them? And if not, plug where they could connect with you via your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. Oh, okay. So my call to action would be to take, I mean, we'll just stick with the finance um, kind of topic is to take note of your finances. So just put everything down on paper. I'm not necessarily going into all the categories and the time that goes into looking at receipts, but have an understanding of your monthly cash flow. Are you positive or negative? And just know that looking at the numbers is the hardest step, but it's going to put you in the place to understand, are you actually moving towards your goal? Because we all have room to be at the top and to be celebrated and to win. And so I would just want that for everyone. As far as where you can reach me, I'm very active on Instagram. My Instagram handle is ITS underscore coach Jess. I usually realize that if I start with, oh, it's, it's coach Jess, people forget to put the ITS. So I spell it out now. Um, And then my podcast money your way is available anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Amazing. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS podcast. All of Jessica's contact information will be in the show notes. So definitely tap in with her and support what she has going on. For those of you that are already in the community, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. And I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the mission behind the show, as well as the guests that I bring on. Because of you, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally 
out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com, which brings us the big ask, which is brand sponsors. If you think that's you, your products, your services, and your brand, and you want to pollinate them together, head on over to genesisamariskemp.net or send me an email at genesisamariskemp at gmail.com to learn more info. And I challenge you to really look at your finances Write down your wants versus needs. And if you don't have a budget, start budgeting and then pair that with your wants versus needs so you could actually see where your money is going. And if you're like me and you have cash in your pocket and you spend and you can't remember where you spend it, that's where either your debit card is good for your credit card to just kind of keep you in alignment there, but don't go crazy. So until the next episode, next guest, peace, love and lots of blessings. You got this and we believe in you. So believe in yourself. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor. So please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.